Okay. Yes, we got it. We got it like every other time. We know you record. We That's we true. we appreciate it, but we're also over it. <laughs> yeah, it's we we literally know what we're doing. So All right. as you may have noticed you've just joined what well, are unfortunately required we reading at some point in time I'll be able to talk. Uh, yeah. Welcome to, <laughs> welcome to the show. Uh it is still Black History Month. Uh, both of your hosts are exhausted, but we're certainly going to try to uh, press forward. We are not exhausted because of this book, because this book is quite good. Uh, we're reading If Beale Street Could Talk by James Baldwin, uh, which is the perfect combination of a love story and is from a Black author. Um, and love story in the sense that everything is terrible in America if you are of color. Yep. Um, the The joke title for this episode is just and nothing has changed yeah 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 just nothing has changed significantly so get ready for a lot of uh frustration about how little has changed and also remember that there are color photos of martin luther king jr but history tells us that it's only in black and white because then you think that it was longer in time away from the fact that no, a lot of these folks are still alive. Mm -hmm. That's why so. it's so weird to hear people be like, we can't teach critical race theory. I'm like, oh, cause you don't want grandpa to get in trouble. You don't want your dad to get in trouble. I mean, I think by the time we're at that stage, those people don't care. Cause like they're with grandpa yelling at little brown children. Like realistically, I think like those folks that are mad at that level, like are outside with grandpa and their dad yelling at brown people or talking about, you know, white genocide, which is not real. So a little bit of a warning at the very start of this. One of the key points in this book involves rape. Yes. Um, and it can be a lot, um, especially if you've experienced it. So if you have, we're not going to fault you for tapping out on this episode. Um, yeah, I'm also going to trigger, I don't usually trigger a warning for racism, but like I know at least like for me, so much of this echoed experiences that I've had. Right. That it was a little, I don't want to say it was difficult, but you know, if the point of reading is escapism, like it is for a lot of people, I wasn't escaping shit. These are conversations I've had. These are feelings I've had. These are experiences I've had. So I don't usually like giving a trigger warning for racism, but like if you are of the African-American shade and this book gets to you in a way that a lot of other books don't get to you, I am not gonna fault you for needing to take a break. I do still think it's important, somewhat like the Toni Morrison kind of way, but if this exhausts you, I will not fault you for putting it down and going to get some chicken nuggets or something. Cause it definitely took me a little bit longer than I think other books that are like this would have. I was actually surprised because you know me, I'm usually like, let me do the assignment two weeks in advance. Mm -hmm. I finished this today. Um, I finished this yeah. about two hours ago because after, after this week, um, it was just like, there was, there was just so much. There was so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, it feels very uh, prescient 
especially today when we still have, again, a lot of these issues that are discussed. Uh, so yeah, I for the first time, I think really ever, I'm gonna give a very, very soft trigger warning for racism. I do not think that that means that you should not read this book if you are interested. I'm just saying, if you need to go take a lap or something, do not think that you're weak or bad or that that's not valid. Right. So uh, <laughs> I feel like we need to just put up a link for our number one sticker sale because the joke is this week we're drinking white tears. And we will be drinking white tears for as long as they flow because it continues to be exhausting. Just, I got to tell the joke today at the post office that uh, when I was in, I think I was in college, one of my professors renamed me. She's like, oh, you're an Amber now. And I said, I'm pretty sure y'all lost the right to do that in the 1800s. <laughs> yeah it's like i think we went to war over it and everything but you know i'm pretty sure that y'all don't get to do that anymore but okay i guess i'm amber now no faults in the name amber amber is one of my best friends but uh that is not my name speaking of not names <laughs> yes so um short story long is incredibly short today which it is is not traditional with me normally I'm like let me explain every little detail but the majority of James Baldwin's work is emotional and feeling and descriptive mm -hmm. and even when you have this like horrific thing going on in the background just the way that he describes people and the way that they love each other it's like mm -hmm. holy guacamole um, it is it is shockingly lush for yes. how uh, condensed his work is, which I say condensed with love because I know, you know, with all of the attention problems that I have and all the executive dysfunction, uh, that it's hard for me to like sit down with a book that can defend you from a bullet. Like it's hard for me to do that nowadays. Also, fun fact, if you tell a person with severe anxiety and depression that you need to lose weight. And we're going to accomplish that by cutting your anxiety and depression medication in half and adding on another medication that, spoiler alert, counter interacts with the medication you take for your insomnia. That person does not lose weight. They develop an eating disorder. Oh shit. Yeah. That's, that's accurate. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> don't let your primary care physician decide that they want to be a psychiatrist. It was all done out of love, uh, but yeah. Don't let your primary care physician decide that they know how to be psychiatrist because they that's just not their field of study. That's not what they went to school for. Uh, no shame in their game. But the only thing that I ended up uh, developing over that period of just over a month was incredibly disordered thoughts about food for my weight to stay exactly the same. It's it's been a month, man. Like we're, yeah. we're 19 days into February and it feels like it's been an eternity. Yeah. Yeah. Cat. Cat. Yeah. That's There's a cat sighting. It's a river oh. sighting. River. Okay. Thank you. I needed that. It has been a rough uh, week for me personally, but we're going to get through this. Let short story long so we can talk about all these heckin' themes because there's a lot. I love that cat so much. A lot. I love that cat too. 
So Tisha's a 19 year old girl. Her full name is Clementine and she has just found out she's pregnant mm-hmm. right after the father of her child is arrested for a crime he didn't commit. Um, mm-hmm. His name is Fonny and he is a sculptor. He was arrested after um, they were downtown and he happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong, the wrong time. Um, mm-hmm. They have pledged to get married, but they have a very uncertain future. He's been falsely accused of raping a woman and he awaits trial um, in jail and the U.S. justice system continues to screw him over, including mm-hmm. um, for the lineup for this case, the woman says that she was raped by a black man. And so they basically pull up the most cracker lineup you could ever find and just put mm-hmm. Bonnie in there as well. So she's like, yeah, that's who it is. Well, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. She then immediately disappears back to her home in San Juan, Puerto Rico. So the U.S. justice system is like, we found the guy. It's fine. We're done. And she is so overwrought. The, the woman who was raped, her name is Victoria, which is awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. She's so overwrought with the whole situation that she's just like, I figured out who it is. This is who it is. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I just don't ever want to talk about it again, which is mm-hmm. actually fairly common for people who like when you don't have healthy options of getting that kind of stuff out. Um, right. So basically Tisha's entire family um, comes together for her. Her and her biological family has basically had Fonny there constantly. His real name is mm-hmm. Alfonso. But he's, mm-hmm. he's basically seen them as his family forever. When he and Tish decided that they were supposed to be together, they'd really known each other all their lives to the point where mm-hmm. there's a whole description about him spitting at her when they were kids through like a hole in one of his teeth, like or like a hole where a tooth should be. So they, they've known each other forever. Um, they basically are dealing with a lawyer that keeps asking for more money. Um, we find out that the woman in Puerto Rico was basically just completely discarded. Uh, Sharon, who is Tish's mom, goes all the way to Puerto Rico to try and find this woman, finds her, confronts her about the whole situation, tries to convince her to mm-hmm. come back. Well, then that woman has a miscarriage and ends up hiding out in the San Juan Mountains and everyone's lives are falling apart. Um, yes. Bonnie's dad ends up killing himself. Tish ends up having her baby. And the very last lines of the book, you're not really sure if... Uh, Fonny is actually out of prison or mm-hmm. if and then they're together or if they're in two separate places still um it's a whole lot to deal yeah. with yeah um, it's it's a lot now there we were talking about Baldwin writes some incredibly lush beautiful sequences mm-hmm. of um Tish and Fonny making love of being together of mm-hmm. you know how they interact with family Mm-hmm. um how Tish's family rises to the occasion and is like okay we're going to figure out how to pay for it. bail we're going to do this we're going to find we'll find a way to do it mm-hmm. and how Fonny's family just basically was already written off their son um just kind of loses it um so that'll be a whole thing but we have a lot yeah. of themes and symbols yeah we can probably condense them down a smidgen uh yeah. let's start with uh, touching briefly on community and spirituality, just because that is mentioned a lot. There's a lot of mention of going to church on Sundays. And again, you know, with Tish and Fani being raised like, very similarly in the same area, there is a lot of that that is super common for African-Americans. I know it's common for everyone. I know having neighbors is not exclusive to Black people. I can hear someone saying that. 
only black people have ever had neighbors. Uh, it's that, that sense of community that you have to have to protect yourself. Absolutely. It is very much that sense of community that one empowers you, but two, as Tori said, it protects you. Uh, so like, I know when I was growing up as a kid, I there was a huge emphasis on me knowing my neighbors in case something happened. And, you know, as the joke goes, so they can also punish me if I did something egregious. That never happened to me because I was an only child. And I wasn't, I'm not gonna say a good kid. I was a menace. I'm, I'm not, I'm not even gonna lie and say I was a good kid. I am sure that uh, in many, many ways, I was a menace. One of the things that I, I thought was really cool about this book is when, you know, in the very beginning, they're talking about how they went to Fonny's parents' church and it was very uncomfortable and they were just mm -hmm. like, what the hell is this? Mm -hmm. But they're, when they make love, it's more like a ritual. It's more like a purification ritual for them and like their beliefs and becoming one person. Um, mm -hmm. It's love is purification versus like, it, it becomes a big deal. Like over and over, Tisha's family is like, you're not in trouble. You're not in trouble. We don't think you're a bad girl. We know mm -hmm. that you are with somebody who is family. And I'm sorry, people are making loud noises downstairs. <laughs> the challenges of doing podcasts at home. Um, so they go through just all of these, these like horrible things that are going on around them. And it's just mm -hmm. that reminder of, from Tish's family, we love you, you are our family, you have done nothing wrong. If Fonny hadn't been taken away, you would have already been married. Versus right. um, Fonny's family, who is very much like talking about how they need to get their daughters married off and you know how they're perfect little princess angels, but at the same time, they're also sleeping with pretty much everyone on the block. Yeah, yeah, that's... I think I'm going to use that to segue into uh, family divisions and colorism. Mm-hmm some of our favorite topics and by favorite I mean I wish both would just go die in a pit um there's a very key difference between how Tisha's family is and how Fonny's family is and that is also super super common in a lot of African-American communities uh where you get the more frankly stuck up in bougie families like the one that I'm from and you get more families that are loving and understanding that I have plenty of friends from not that I don't want to write one off as entirely bad because I am very aware that the bouginess that I was afforded due to being middle class, upper middle class my entire life has definitely opened doors for me that would not be opened for other people. It also has given me some fairly unhealthy opinions about others and a lot of retraining that I've had to do for myself as far as finding worth as a 30-something who isn't married and hates children. I don't hate all children. I hate like 80% of children. I don't I know why say, I felt the need to preface that. I was gonna say it's not that you hate children. It's just that they can be very frustrating. <laughs> They're so loud. Why are they so loud? I don't I understand. Because like she's quiet. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like I, and she she could take care of herself. I I like I like children that are self sufficient. 
or at least like are self-sufficient, not because of trauma. Because I was a self-sufficient child. That's because my parents weren't around. Anyways, uh, Tori, how much fun did you have with all the colorism in this book? Oh my God. <laughs> you know how many times I wanted to throw, well, it was on my phone, so I wasn't going to throw it. But how many times I wanted to throw this book across the room because I was just like, what, what, what did you just say? Wait, yep. And it, it was stuff, I mean, even amongst the the community like mm-hmm. but like oh my god just i wanted to punch the lawyer so yep. many times yeah i wanted to punch the neighbors i love 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 the fact though that the italian family is so loving and so supportive and is like we know you don't have any money right now you want dinner <laughs> like yep. but super sarcastic about it <laughs> yep but yeah there's so much like colorism <clears throat> in this book and you know of course tish is nappy headed which oh my god it is it would be triggering if it had ever applied to me because i basically exited the womb had to deal with pressing combs from about three to six got tired of my mom chasing me around the house with a comb that is made of iron that she kept warm on a stove eye and you know, decided that, that was a safe thing and went to chemical relaxers and have been chemically straightening my hair since I was a child. So, but that is a part of white hegemony and what a lot of fairer skinned or lighter skinned families really prize because it makes them look and act and feel more white. That is a problem. <laughs> and and then, just I- now, you go ahead. I was just gonna say you're right that that description of nappy head comes up a lot especially yes. when uh tish is talking to fanny in prison and his hair is growing out mm-hmm. and she's just like that's not what his hair normally looks like this is not what my man normally looks like like mm-hmm. well and that's that's actually like quite a big thing for a lot of black people in prison uh not to say that like their hair is the only concern i know it's not but like that's something that can be like almost dysphoric for a lot of black women and black men in prison is that like yeah you aren't getting a relaxer in jail so your hair is gonna you're gonna go through a pretty radical hair transformation especially knowing that it is against your will essentially and it's not fun uh but yeah it definitely that that sounded a lot like conversations i've had with like extended family uh i do love the point that i was trying to make is i do love now that we're trying to decouple natural hair with being like some kind of weird radical statement that like natural hair can be professional, that natural hair is still beautiful. Um, I'm glad that we're having a lot of those conversations uh, and hopefully we can take back dreads from uh, basic white women who reek of patchouli. I feel I have a coworker who's amazing. She's like one of the sweetest people in the world. And she wears wigs pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. Um, her natural hair is gorgeous, but she's worried that she's because she's young mm-hmm. and because she's new in the industry, that people mm-hmm. aren't going to take her seriously. And that mm-hmm. kills me because I'm sitting there going, uh, we work with a lot of older racist white people. Yes, thank you. Um, so I was like, no, 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 we're not candy good in this. We work with a lot of racist old white people. 
so I'm going to give you an example of a legitimate email that we got this week um, that was forwarded to me because I'm the manager on this property mm-hmm. where we have somebody <clears throat> for HOAs, just because let's be real. Anybody listening to this podcast, if I get fired, I really don't care anymore. Um, mm-hmm. This industry is fucking broken me, especially this week. Mm-hmm. This woman saw we had an auditor driving by, taking pictures, noting violations. Mm-hmm. She's a chief violator in the neighborhood. We are well aware of it. Uh, we've given her a lot of space because we understand we're not trying to be dicks, but we have to be fair for equal enforcement under the law means we write up everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, she saw that the auditor was Hispanic and mm-hmm. proceeded to send us a two-page email about how we were truly just upset because she had an American flag in her front yard and had it been a Mexican flag, she probably wouldn't have been written up. Woman was not written up for a flag. She was written up because she had more boxes and pots on her front porch than uh, like a gardening store. So we take a deep breath. We're like, okay, you know, I understand that that was a little racist. We keep scrolling through. She tells our auditor to go back to Mexico, which was then doubled down by a second email, a second email that said, and if you can't read this, I'm happy to translate it into Spanish for you. What the actual fuck? It is 2022. In South Texas. But I mean, like the majority of South Texas where we are is Hispanic. I think that's why I'm so shocked. Like, I mean, I'd be shocked anywhere, let's be honest, but it's like, I don't know how you can have that level of audacity when you're outnumbered. When that happened in Dallas-Fort Worth, I air quotes got it because for a long time, Hispanic was still a minority. Again, it is not right. I don't condone it, but I can understand how, you know, the Brendas and the Heathers up there were a little bit less tolerant. You are literally outnumbered. I was so mad by, about this email that I forwarded it to the association attorney. So just in case y'all are, are wondering, if you are so psycho, so crazy, I've had a guy before accuse me of being a, an agent of the devil and Nancy Pelosi. That one was fun because we told him his lawn was eight inches and it needed to be cut down. Okay. Just like we told his other two neighbors. Okay. Um, I'm glad to know that Satan and Nancy Pelosi are working together. Yeah, evidently. Um, Neat. Forwarded that, we, we forward those to the attorney. And I'm going to tell you right now, we make fun of you the second that that's gone. Because one, mm-hmm. we're not going to take that abuse. We don't make that much money, okay? Mm-hmm. Two, you're psycho. You're psycho. Yeah. Find something to be upset over other than your neighbor's trash can. Okay, I'm going way off topic here. Um, no, it's okay. Uh, the only thing that keeps coming to mind. Yes. I was just like, racism is real in America. It is still front and center every single day. It can be little things from like dropping your dirty plates on the table behind you when somebody is clearly eating and of a different skin type, which still pisses me off. And um, I still ate for free that day. Thank you, manager at Cracker Barrel, who was pissed off at my uh, instance of being colonized. It, it's just, it's making that slightly racist joke or smiling when somebody does. It's so irritating and so frustrating. And, and none of us are immune. We've no. all been there where we're like, I got to smooth the situation out because I'm pretty sure that this guy's going to punch me in the throat. 
Yep. But whole, like, that's again why the episode is like, well, nothing's changed since 1974. Just, just no, nothing has changed. And in fact, I think actually a lot of it's gotten worse uh, because at least uh, I will say when I was a child, uh, the inside part was said inside, but now everyone's saying the inside part outside. Because I, I grew up in North Texas. I knew that that part was still being said. I'm not naive. I know people were still racist. I don't think that like the 1990s was a utopia. I know people were still racist. But no one said it. Yeah. I don't think I encountered like actual racism until I think like Obama was about to be elected or something. And that was it. Like... Not that there wasn't racism going on, but it definitely wasn't as prescient. But now, yes. I just remember being so jarring to see these incredibly racist things being posted online about Obama. And I'm like, you do realize that this is a highly educated man who knows way more about politics than any of you ever will, who has a solid foundation for foreign policy. Barack. No, his first name is Barack. Ergo, he's a terrorist and a Muslim, and he's African. All those things are scary. Couldn't even spell Muslim. They wrote half-breed Muslim, and I'm like, so he's my favorite. My favorite is still like Muslim. Muslim is still my favorite. Like M O O S. It's usually like it's still like M U S something, but like when you read that amalgamation of words it ends up being like muslim or muslam it's like that's not that is not <laughs> just also lamb with there, giant antlers. yes also uh there is some not great talk in this book about race including the n-word oh yeah and mulatto we don't condone either of those words they're in the book which means we have to mention them don't call anyone a mulatto unless yes, they have said it themselves and they use it to culturally identify. Don't go calling folks that. Also, don't. I don't know why we still use the N word for anything. I, I don't. I don't understand why. Like I just, uh, I'm so exhausted by being an American. Okay. Uh. So, do we want to talk about the prison system in America? <laughs> no but we need to um it's bad there just just as a heads up and i'm making myself a note um i'm gonna be making a donation to the innocence project after this um yeah love love uh, love 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 them i'll chip in and double so okay um there are so many books now um Mm -hmm. that go through the stories of people who were wrongfully imprisoned because mm-hmm. they happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. They mm-hmm. happened to be a particular skin color when somebody was trying to get away with something. Mm-hmm. Um, they happened to work for someone who got robbed at that particular time. Mm-hmm. And we really only see their stories when one, somebody covers it in either a news story, um, they become a client of the Innocence Project, they mm-hmm. have a book written, something like that. But there are so many cases of people who have gone to prison for something that either they didn't do 
or is considered a minor offense provided mm-hmm. you're not black um yes there are and honestly provided that you're not a black man because mm-hmm. we're go. going to okay y'all aren't ready for this level of real talk but i changed medications so buckle up buttercup the prison system in the united states is set up to incarcerate and murder black men i don't care what y'all think it is a fact this system especially post-war on drugs is designed for the holding and murder of black men for profit for too much profit for too much profit we have a disgusting number of prisons that are for profit Mm -hmm. that are built and it became a thing of well we need to put people in them to justify mm-hmm. the expenses that we've sp- we've put out. Mm-hmm. It, we also have things like the school to prison pipeline, which is basically if you have a an a black child or a child of usually who's not white, let's be real, um, mm-hmm. who shows any kind of behavioral issues, who has any kind of. Uh, very clear trauma, learning disabilities, things like that. A lot of times they're left behind. Um, Mm -hmm. And school becomes incredibly frustrating, incredibly agonizing. So they Mm -hmm. stop paying attention. Um, Mm -hmm. They lose out on options that can help them move forward in their future. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times that leaves them with very few options. Um, And it's horrifying to watch that system happen over and over and over and be like like it's it's very prevalent too with the foster care system um not i (laughs) my friend just had a really weird run in this week he was pulling up to a restaurant we were all going to eat at and this kid came walking out of this hotel and he's probably like 17 and he goes hey um can you give me a ride to the gas station just on the street and he's like yeah no problem and this woman comes running out she says get out of that man's car and um the the kid's like I'm not getting out of the car you can't tell me what the fuck to do and she said yes mm-hmm. I can I am your caseworker so because Texas has so few places to put children in foster care they have been running hotel rooms where they put multiple people in uh mm-hmm. do not they don't have the supplies for COVID precautions we have uh foster care workers who are working sometimes 48 hour shifts to watch these mm-hmm. kids um and, you know, they know nobody's going to watch out for them. No one's got their back. No one's taking care of them. So they try to leave. They go, I'm going to hop in this complete stranger's car. I'm going to put myself at risk. Not that my friend isn't a risk, but you know what I'm sure. saying. You don't know that. You don't mm-hmm. know if that person you get in their car is going to be like, hey, well, you need to do this for me. Mm-hmm. Um, they are. They feel so unloved and so unprotected that they put themselves at risk because that's the only thing they know how to do. That's yeah. the only way that they think they can survive and get out of the situation they're in. Yeah. Um, I want to bring this back a little bit to the book. Um, I made a point of saying that it's designed to do this post the war on drugs. I by no means say that the prison system has uh, ever been good for Black people. If you would like a citation on that and a story that to this day upsets me, The youngest executed person in the United States is George Stinney, a 14-year-old boy who was accused of murdering two white children 
who was executed in 1944 by electric chair. The guards couldn't even fit him in because he was so small and he cried the entire time. His mother was not allowed to be present during the execution. I'm going to pause here real quick because my mm -hmm. neighbors have now decided to do drilling construction in their backyard. So I'm going to put on my headset. Okay. I'd, um, here, we here we go. Sorry. About now that we apologize to the side. Uh, my neighbors decided that they were going to start digging into their backyard. So if you hear what sounds like cement diggers, mm -hmm. I apologize for that. Yeah, uh, I almost appreciate it because I was about to get mad about George Stinney's execution again. Uh, they used a Bible as a booster seat during his execution. Why is everything terrible? Um, I don't know. I wish I knew. Because uh, he was, of course, posthumously uh, exonerated of his crime as he did literally nothing. And he was returned to a proper black cemetery in the 2000s. It's... <sighs> mm. Yeah, so if you ever want to really, really hate the US, George City, and then it just gets so much worse from there. Uh, I wish South Carolina wasn't a cesspit because I would try to arrange flowers for his grave. Um, I might still arrange flowers for his grave. So, uh, I'm trying, so as far as the prison system goes in the US, uh, there are some great John Oliver videos about it uh, that also touch on race because you cannot not touch on race. And as far as conditions and everything go, listen, neither of us are experts on this. Go watch 60 Days In. I have some books I can recommend, but that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, like neither of us are experts. We're not going to speak to how terrible it is. John Oliver probably has literally a playlist worth of videos about how trash prisons are, about how trash especially the prisons are in the South, about how trash the for-profit system is, and about how trash the U.S. is, to be honest. And we say trash, I don't want to say lovingly, but rooted in something. One thing I've been hearing a lot because I've been on a tear of watching like Karen videos. I don't know why, I already hate people. I don't need an excuse. Uh, but one thing I keep hearing over and over again is, well, if you hate America so much, why don't you leave? And it's like, and go where? One of the things that my teacher in, in college in our women's studies class brought up mm -hmm. You always hear people say, well, if you don't like it, leave. With what money, first and yep. foremost? Um, there are quite a few systems designed to keep people from making enough money to move somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, if you've ever looked into going to the UK or Canada, um, the process is incredibly difficult. Yep. Um, you, you should have an attorney to do it. Yep. Um, if you try to move to New Zealand, they have a point system. Yes. Um, I think Australia has something similar. Yes. So unless you are completely loaded and able mm -hmm. to take care of yourself without a job, mm -hmm. good luck. Or you marry a rich person. The true yeah. way to beat colonialism, marry a rich white person. 
And that's I, how I, you say fuck it to colonial. <laughs> I was gonna say I, I say all this as a middle class, very pasty white woman. Um, it's all about the money. That's why you see people uh, like Jeffrey Epstein who were able to go wherever the fuck they wanted. Um, that's why. And do are we really gonna wanted. be? Are we really gonna do an Epstein moment? Oh, you don't under a human trafficking thing right now. I would just want to. I want to cut a bunch of people. Um, I was just. I just wanted to make sure before we committed that we're doing that. But that's fine. Uh, okay. So it's we, it's it's exhausting yeah. because. Okay, the the number one thing. So I just in case anybody knows, I do presentations with an organization on human trafficking. Yes. Um, one of the number one things we always have to confront is basically not every single movie star or politician is a filthy pervert who sleeps with children. Have to throw that out there. Unfortunately, a lot of these people are the ones that have the money who are able to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a reason certain names are in Epstein's little black book over and over and over and why you've probably heard those names as well. And that's where I'm going to leave that because otherwise yeah. we'll be here for four hours. Yep. Uh, okay. So do we want to talk about the very, very fun dynamic of minorities hating other minorities or the very, very fun dynamic of gender roles and how they are reinforced doubly by the hegemonic African-American experience and by traditional African experience to make a double clusterfuck? Okay, you said double clusterfuck, so obviously we're starting there. Gender. Uh, I can say this as a Southern Black woman raised by debutantes. Our standards to femininity are not just matched by the Southern white experience, but doubled down from traditions and such, taken over from the ancestor lands, that women are to be quiet, they are to be educated, but for the sake of gathering a husband, they are to bear children. They are to support their home, likely without any support of their husband, physically and or monetarily. If and when your husband cheats on you, you are to be kind. If and when your husband beats you, you should accept it and learn how to apply concealer, which is why all the stories of Southern women taking utter revenge on their husbands are so prevalent and so common. There is a TikToker who literally just goes over telling the stories that mostly Black women have taken from their grandmothers and great-grandmothers about them not handling any nonsense, including my favorite, which is someone's grandmother took a flight with a brick in her purse to wherever her husband and his mistress was and beat them both with said brick. Like packed the brick in her purse, kept her purse on that on her lap, and beat the fuck out of both of them, which is just god tier. It doesn't God-tier. get much better than that. <laughs> so we get it the worst of both, where we have a lot of strict gender rules because we want to fit in with proper white society, but we also have our own rules that are double trash. Have things gotten better? It depends on where you are. I'm lucky that my family was mostly pretty open. Uh, and the things that we did do that were less progressive, we've outgrown as a lot of the older generation, frankly, fucking died. Um, 
a lot of the generation under that has just adapted. Like they know they can't yell at us for being gay. That's not gonna fix it. Like it's not really acceptance as much as it is just pragmatism, which yes, I was raised by Slytherins. It's, we don't necessarily care or validate that you're queer, but yelling at you hasn't changed anything. So there. So, but yes. I will say I am not an expert on the other topic, which is minorities hating minorities. Um, um, again, Lily ass white bitch. So I'm also not an expert, but it's there. Like, I know I hear this a lot and you'll hear it in like feminist spaces and stuff like that too, is uh, you all should be working together towards a common goal. And it's like, you're right but society never told us that we can. Uh, there is a video from The Take about the model minority when it comes to Asian representation and how Asians, like as propaganda, were generally fed, you do not want to be like black people because black people are bad. So you need to be educated and own your own business and talk white. Uh, because otherwise you'll look like a black person and you'll sound like a black person. You don't want to do that. Black people are all on the welfare. You need to be good and become a doctor. Um, there is still a lot of that that happens. Um, there is a Vice video about temporary workers that talks about the racism that comes with that, where a lot of these places won't hire black men or they say that they won't hire black men, but that has created a lot of tension between black men and Hispanic workers who are frankly easier to manipulate and abuse because they're willing to take absolute crap ass pay because they need it a little bit more. So there's a lot of things that talk about the dynamic. I have seen it on the periphery, but I have I'm far from an expert. Um, aside from, I guess, that little bit of like chill racism that you get from growing up in Texas. Because everyone, it, you, you can't rub it off. Like, it, yeah. it's everywhere. No, it's it's, it's, it's everywhere. the Avenue Q song, Everyone's a Little Bit Racist. Yeah, but like in a less chill way, I guess. Or like, I at least try to be chill about it and just keep it to myself. Uh, and I work very hard to retrain those thoughts. But like, it's a little bit like oil where it's just on you. It's just there. Uh, anyone, I, I love people who are in the South, like, I'm not racist. It's like, you were born here. You are. You just don't know it yet. And that's okay. It takes a lot of retraining. And then even then you're still constantly fighting your first thoughts. Yes, it is. It is literally a constant fight against your first thoughts. And what I hate about it is how so much of it isn't formed by anything I did or that I've experienced. It's from media, it's from anecdotes, it's from, you know, oh, your cousin's cousin's uncle said a Mexican looked at him funny once. Cool, we hate Mexicans now. Like, like, how, like how little of it I've had any control over, I guess. Because while I, again, do not condone racism in any way, it kind of feels like that Paula Dean story a little bit, where if all of my experiences hitherto had been negative, I might not have nice things to say. I have not earned any of that. 
it was just dumped on me through media and familial experience. I definitely want to blame the media for this because I feel like so much of these arguments are fabricated because media. What is so jarring, and I think we've talked a little bit about this before, is when you go back and watch 90s comedies, television and movies, and you're like, we were so awful to trans people. We were so awful to any minority. We were so awful to anybody who wasn't the white rich kid. And it's just, I, I, I do really appreciate the movie 10 Things I Hate About You, though, where she starts going off on the whole thing about like women and stuff. And the teacher mm-hmm. who's this wonderful um, black man launches in and is like, oh, you want to go? And basically talks about like, all this all the racism and stuff like that about how he doesn't want to be particularly teaching um white male authors to them either and i'm just going yeah and and i just remember that being so jarring at that point in time because we weren't you know that was it was all taught for comedy you know yes um i definitely know that there were a lot of shows that were trying to do something like I, you guys are probably tired of me talking about this, but ER really tried. ER did try. ER, ER, did try. ER for the 90s and 2000s was remarkably transgressive. Like Listen, anything that's got Alex Kingston in it, I will probably support. Like, it was, re- like, I don't think it always handled things well, but it certainly tried. You get some of that model minority stuff with uh, some of, the, there's an Indian doctor who I don't care about because her storyline is bad, but you get some of that with her. You get it with Eric LaSalle's character, Dr. Benton, where he is an African-American man who is so trying to be white because that's all he knows that he can associate with success. No one in his family is like him. And that dual consciousness is a burden that literally nearly kills him a few times. They tackle racism a bunch of times. They talk about trans issues a bunch of times mostly with a shocking amount of humanity. I mean, they all die because it's the 90s and they can't live. Uh, Some of them still have to be made fun of, but like for the most part, there's a lot of thought put into them. Uh, So yeah, go watch ER. I don't know why it ran for as long as it did, but a man loses his arm to a helicopter and then dies by another helicopter. So, you know, that's the thing. By the way, I did note down something you said earlier, and I'm going to need you to make a t-shirt that says I changed medication, so buckle up, buttercup. Yes. <laughs> Just sure. in case you were wondering. I um, can do that. This is the one that's probably going to break me. Um, the rape and trauma shit. First of all, as somebody mm-hmm. who has been raped, um, seeing my name in this book was really awkward. Um, yeah. The, the woman who goes through it is very very clearly traumatized she very clearly doesn't have any kind of support system she doesn't have anybody who's got her back mm-hmm. um even the the police don't really have her back they just want to the police have never had anyone's yeah. back a cab there is a reason why um things like the uh, and the backlog exist um, because a mm-hmm. lot of times rape kits are not taken seriously um even up until till now i mean the the conversations around rape are just fucking awful. It's always, what was she wearing? What was she doing? What was, was alcohol involved? Was she on drugs? What, it's always mm-hmm. what she was doing. It's not yeah. who the, the rapist. Um, and 
it is so hard to read the part where uh, Tish's mom is talking to Victoria and just going through and being like, I need you to come back and say that um, Fonny didn't rape you. And she's like, mm-hmm. I don't know who raped me. Like, she's so upset and so just overwhelmed that she can't handle it. And she ends up having a full breakdown, like mm-hmm. full breakdown and a miscarriage, which either is fucking awful, but combined is just life devastating. Yes. Um, this comes from somebody who hasn't read any books after the first Outlander book because uh, not only is rape terrible, but there was a lot of gay rape in that. And I was like, ah, uh-uh, what? What is this? Coming this from a person who still to this day cannot say that they like Game of Thrones because every instance of sexual assault and rape is a choice. Which is what blows my mind about that show too is um, I actually had to put, put a kibosh on it for a while, like where I, I couldn't watch it. Um, I apologize if I'm ruining it for you, but at one point in time, Sansa's character is raped by her new husband who takes really no interest in it. And a lot of what you hear, at least back in our parents' day and previous before that, is that sex and marriage, even if it was forced, wasn't considered to be rape. Marital rape exists. It exists. It's awful. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's horrifying. Like, it's absolutely horrifying. And it happens. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of women, and even today, are told that that's not a real thing. Um, yeah. You're told, basically, it's your fault. Um, yes. You were asking for it. You made a bad decision. This is all on you. Or and at it's least not in true. marital, at least in marital, uh, marital rape, it's not even that you were asking for it. It's it is your job as woman to please your husband, even if you are not pleased yourself. And this uh, which, is why evangelicalism is a cult. Like I can't fathom processing that. Like I, I, I don't understand how that works. Because if any man said that to me, it'd be like that scene of Diary of a Mad Black Woman where he gets hit in the face with a pan of hot grits. I don't even eat grits. They just materialize. Like, no, fuck that shit. Sorry. You're getting a face full of fucking hot grits. Like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't compute for me. But like women are told this and I, uh, everything is bad. Everything is bad. Um, I had to stop watching Downton Abbey of all fucking shows because there is an episode where one of my absolute favorite characters is raped by somebody who's, who's traveling. And my husband got to see me have a full-on breakdown in the living room because normally you're thinking Downton Abbey. This is totally safe. We're not going to have any that, kind of Why did that line. show need to get rapey? No, that? it didn't. It, and the thing is, it made no sense. They were trying to set up this whole thing where they were going to make this one character look like he could have killed someone. And I'm sitting there going, the guy could have done a million other things. He could have threatened the family. He could have done you had him rape a girl who went to go get me- uh, medication for a headache. Are you, are you kidding me right now? And I was so upset. I was shaking. And I was like, listen, I can't watch the rest of the season. Like you feel free, have fun, have at it, but I can't in good conscience do this. And I'm sobbing. I'm sobbing on the couch going, no, just- because that trauma, you work through it. You work with, a good therapist to get through it but it's never truly gone you never truly feel safe with certain people again 
you don't feel safe in society again no like there's there's a reason that so many women have taken that um my favorite murder slogan of fuck politeness so seriously and say sexy don't get murdered the whole you are not required to be polite to somebody who is a threat to you but we've also talked about how that is such a white privilege topic right because as an african-american i don't have a choice but to be polite if i am perceived as any kind of threat i am much more likely to just get fucking murdered we're talking about that too like when people are there are certain situations where people are being racist as fuck and you Mm -hmm. have to just kind of like be like i'm gonna get killed if i say anything Yep. yep Or not even as hyperbolic as murder, though the murder does happen. I by no means wish to uh, minimize the murder, but professional settings. Yeah, sometimes I have to eat the fact that my boss asked me if I went to college because of affirmative action. Sometimes I have to eat the fact that bosses are shocked that I did for a while have parents and that my dad isn't gone because prison. I have been asked that question, which is especially hilarious considering what happened to my dad. It's like, oh, is the reason your dad's gone because he went to jail? It's like, no. No, he had an extremely traumatic medical-related death. Thanks, though. No. Everything is trash. Everything is trash. Hi, we're really tired. I don't know if you guys can tell that it is only like one o'clock on a Saturday. Yeah, I'm going to order Luby's and drink champagne after this. What are you getting from Luby's? I like my brick of fish. I like the fried fish. It's just shaped like a brick. Yeah, it's just it's shaped like a fucking puck. I just have this image of you putting it in your purse and going and hitting somebody with it. No, that's too light. I would need several bricks of fish. And also, like, their fried fish brick is... I can't say it's good. I was going to say it's delicious. I can't say it's good, but it tastes like my childhood. And that makes me happy because I used to go to like Luby's and Furs and Golden Corral a lot when I was a kid, my family, because uh, we're Southern and we associate uh, food with love and usually copious amounts of it and the kind that can kill you. I think ours was hometown buffet. I know what that is. I don't know what Sizzler's is, but I've heard things so back in the day sizzler was like the lit place to go at the Mm -hmm. risk of sounding myself make myself sound terrible you had this full-on salad bar with all sorts of weird Mm -hmm. stuff um including usually an ice cream maker or you could order steak from the counter that you would walk up to to place your Mm -hmm. initial order Mm -hmm. like we would go there after like sports practice or whatever and i just remember being a kid and like putting (laughs) muffins in a napkin and stuffing them in my little like plastic barbie purse i did that a lot with golden corral those fucking rolls were lit back in the day and just like yeah just shoving them into like pockets and stuff and then like being in the back seat eating them my parents just like we've raised a goblin excellent like we spent all this money to make her civil and she's eating like a fucking raccoon uh golden corral used to be good and that's shocking information like Golden Corral used to genuinely be like good food that you kind of dressed up for. And now I don't think you could pay me to go to a Golden Corral. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever been to one, but. uh, I would need to take you back in time approximately 20 years because we're not going to any of the ones here. The last time I went to a Golden Corral 
was uh, when my grandma died because we had a bunch of Southern black people that we needed to feed and we went to Golden Corral and it wasn't bad, but it was much more questionable than I remember. It never looked this questionable when I was a kid. It just looked decent. Now it's sort of like, how long has that ranch been here? When was the salad fluffed? That steak doesn't look like it came from a cow. (laughs) The sickest I've ever gotten was eating at the Circus Circus buffet in Las Vegas. Um, There are reasons they warn you against certain hotels and certain buffets. Let's just put it that way. You know what? I ate, so when I was in Vegas as a child, we ate at the Monte Carlo buffet and it was lovely. Oh no, the Monte uh, Carlo one was excellent. There, that's yeah. one of my favorite ones. And evidently, Monte Carlo is getting ready to be bulldozed. Oh, it is shit. Huh. There's there's discussions right now of not the, maybe it's not Monte Carlo. Maybe it's no, it's the Mirage. Sorry. Oh well, um, yeah, fuck that one. There is a discussion of whether or not I think it got bought out. But it's funny to me because that was like high class living, you know, being a Californian driving out. Uh, five hours to go to Vegas and see their little like volcano eruption right yeah my my aunt used to live in California she got married in Vegas and like yeah oh that was like high class living we're not talking about the book because all these things are too nice um they're they are uh I think that is nearly all of the themes that are noteworthy are there more yes are we too tired to cover them? Also, yes. If you need to write about this, also look into the transformation of from childhood to adulthood and realize how fucked up it is in this book. Yeah, uh, you can also go deeper into names and name symbolism. You could probably go deeper into community and spirituality. I'm a godless heathen who likes not wearing bras and flirting with both men and women. I'm right here to talk to you about ye old Negro spirituals. I'm just not. I'm sorry. I'm just sitting here going, do you want me to light some incense? Like, are we? Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm not in a place that I feel like I can tell any of you about that. I was raised by Christian fundamentalists or Catholics. I don't know anything about like the Southern Baptist Church. I was raised by evangelical, well, an evangelical church, which I don't really think my mom was really on board 100% with, and then the Lutheran church, and then, well, my beliefs are my own currently. Um. You know what? I will say this about a Southern Baptist uh, church. I went once as a child, and I was very confused because I had been going to Catholic mass for most of my life until that point. Everyone was very loud. There was a lot yeah. of dancing. Uh, it was very hot. There seemed to be no air conditioning. That's why everyone needed a fan. Uh, it was in the tiniest room I had ever seen because I'm used to grand churches. And there was a lot of uh, incomprehensible screaming, but everyone looked like they were having a great time. I don't say that to besmirch the church. It was just very jarring going from like solemn Latin chanting to Lord. Like those were just like two things that I wasn't used to existing in the world together so i'm always 
fascinated because I, I have been to churches where basically Jesus has an M at the beginning for some reason. Mm, Jesus. Yeah, I think that's mostly white people. So the most awkward, and this is there's a church down here that um, I will not use names, but I'll just let you know it is an evangelical church. When I was trying to find something out here that connected with me, um, mm-hmm. we went. Uh, Mark isn't super religious, but he was like, "I'll go with you." Okay, I mean, I guess we'll go get lunch after. Mm-hmm. We're sitting there, and this church is full of people of every race, every mm-hmm. you know background all that kind of stuff and the pastor is this very old white man and he gets up and he starts talking about how happy he is that there are black people in the church finally and i looked at mark and mark looked at me and we stood up and we walked out i'm like um this is one step above the lutheran church that i went to that i also walked out of when the guy got up and started referring to the um the african tribes that he was working with as african tribes first and foremost in countries that I know have cities and are functional and then referred to them as Negroes um I got up and left I mean that's yeah we'll we'll wrap up on this point science is real uh evolution is real Mm -hmm. um creation is not real as in it didn't happen in seven days and that human beings rode dinosaurs that didn't happen unfortunately uh listen to doctors listen to experts um don't listen to anyone who thinks that the native americans are a secret lost lost tribe of israel you know what just make it a whole category don't listen to mormons Yes. yes don't listen to mormons or jehovah's witnesses or scientologists you may entertain some christian evangelists don't go to Westboro or what's the crazy one out here? Any of the ones run by Joel Osteen. Oh God. So just, just in case anyone is ever interested, prosperity gospel is bullshit that was invented in the United States. You're welcome. Okay, we're done. I feel like that's not news. I feel like people know that. They just think it's good. Yeah. Okay. I will give you the ultimate test of how you determine if this church is good for you or not. Look at the pastor's shoes. That's a good one. That's a really good one actually. If his shoes look like they are more expensive than your life, you need to leave. Then if the shoes are a red red herring, but sometimes they can be, check his wrist. Is that watch big enough to slap a child into the next century? If the answer is yes, you need to leave. If at any point in time, that pastor makes a comment about women not being able to lead in the church, walk away. I mean, you should have already been gone before yeah. he gets there. Like, honestly, if, if, if by the time he starts talking about, like, the tribes of Africa and how a, a woman should be pleasing her husband, you should have already left or are swiftly making your way towards an exit i remember my mom and stepdad taking a premarital counseling class through the church and them sitting down with the pastor who told them and this was a mega church in in california that when he got home 
from work, which was the church, um, he needed two hours of silence. His wife couldn't speak with him. His children couldn't speak with him. He needed to decompress and just, you know, really have that time to himself. And I remember thinking in my head, this woman is raising your three children. She is cooking, cleaning, doing a million things a day. She is helping keep the church running. She is doing all of these things behind the scenes. And you can't even be bothered to just kiss her and say hello. I don't understand that. I'm not going to pretend like I do. Okay. Uh, As far as biographical information, we are both tired. Listen to our other episode on James Baldwin. He was a great guy. I'll link so you don't have to you don't have to dig, but we, we do have another episode that we did. Well, I think it was last year. Uh, Baldwin is Time fascinating. Is he is. Uh, sorry that we're both exhausted. The world is a terrible place. Um, As a heads it, up, this book came out in 74. So if that's something that you're interested in and the title comes from uh, the song Beale Street Blues um, named after Beale Street in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. Yes, uh, which I was going to say explains all the racism, but this stuff happens everywhere. Uh, also set in Harlem just in case you were wondering and it's not set in Tennessee but yes uh so did we have to read this in school I don't think either of us did Mm -mm. I didn't even know this was a book until recently because a movie came out in 2018 the movie's pretty good I have not seen it but it is on Hulu movie is pretty highly recommended um okay so you gave us two options for next month both are so fresh yeah they don't really feel like a choice so i'm gonna leave this i'm gonna leave this to you um i would really like to do mouse um, okay in light of tennessee being stupid yes Uh, not all of tennessee it's one school district most of tennessee um as somebody who is very fascinated by the uh jewish experience and um the the fact that there are people who don't believe the holocaust ever happened which <laughs> mm, next time is going to be fun oh um, do i get to be that weird kid in your class who knows too much about world war ii but i'm yes. safe because i'm a black woman yes yes you do yes. um so i think we're going to do mouse um i think it's spiegelman is the last i want to say so yes yeah. we'll we'll link it properly uh yeah i get to be that crazy person who knows too much about world war ii and if i was a white man I would be scary and a threat. So at what point in time are we going to cover a book where you get to talk about the Roman Empire? <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to like blow smoke up Caesar's ass. I think he was a terrible human being. And I think Brutus was right. So I'm not going to do like the Jordan Peterson. Oh, the Romans were pillars of strength. Nah, fam. There was a whole ass transgender one who married a man. Like nah it it was it was a lot of decadence and soy boys and femboy degenerates i still love the fact that hadrian got so tired of dealing with the pics that he like went oh you know what we're just going to build a wall between the civilized portion of this Mm -hmm. country and scotland (laughs) yeah like as someone sitting here of very very scottish descent laughing her ass off but yeah Anyway. Also, congratulations to the Irish fishermen who stopped uh, Russia from encroaching further into their borders. Thank you. Well done. 
very well well done. done just a bunch of irish fishermen ready to go the fuck to war to maintain their rights to their own waters i greatly appreciate you so that's what we're covering next time uh this is where we thank our patrons for giving us money uh because it's good if you would like to join them you may do so at anchor.fm slash unfortunately required reading we are all over social media um, we mm-hmm. are on Unfortunately Required Reading on Facebook. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. are on Twitter. Mm-hmm. We're on Unfortunately Required on Instagram. Or if you just want to go to one place, unfortunatelyrequiredreading.com. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to be cool and email us or something, just say hi, make a yeah. comment that's not tragic because we are sad. Um, yeah, we email us at- encourage tragic comments. I mean, we'll listen, but it'll be hard. We're at unfortunately required reading at gmail.com. Yes. Um, I think that's it. Is that it? If you want to donate to us, um, we definitely appreciate it. Um, as Amanda likes to say, it keeps the metaphorical and physical lights on, um, as oh, well yeah. as contributes to the wine and cheese fund, which hopefully yes. we will be able to use in the future face to face again. Um, yes. That um, is at um, anchor.com fm slash unfortunate required reading huh i did that part oh you did okay hi my brain oh this is the part where i say if you uh are a filthy capitalist like i am uh buy merch that also gives us money and then you get a thing in return so that's always nice i know sometimes it feels weird to throw money into the void i also like receiving tangible goods and or services uh for things and you may do so at Redbubble uh, slash Unfortunately Required Reading, where there will be a shirt that says Buckle Up Buttercup. I've My medication has changed. Which I will have to buy immediately. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> be safe, everyone, in every facet of that word. Uh, the world is still a random, scary, capricious pa- place, and the pandemic is still very much a thing. If you are in Texas, Early voting is going on right now. And if you do not make more strategic decisions, we will face another freeze that kills us all. I'm just saying, it is only going to get worse from here. I encourage you to use your rights and vote early. There is much less voter suppression if you vote early. I am not saying that to minimize the experience of voter suppression. I am saying if you get it done sooner, they are less likely to suppress you. And as we found out, our power as people of color, as marginalized people, is maximized when we do something about it rather than complain on the fucking internet. Amen. Go out there, make some tangible good choices, keep wearing your fucking masks, stay safe, and we'll see you in the next episode. Go read a book. Yeah, go read a book, bye.